Hello, and welcome to another episode of Minnesota Tatfish. We're your hosts, Dr. Kate Pollack. And I'm Dr. Heidi Moline. We're excited to be back with today's Tot Dish. But before we start, we've actually had some questions about our name, Kate. Well, we are pediatricians and we take care of tots and we're here to dish out evidence-based medicine pearls for pediatrics. Awesome. So on our last episode, we gave a brief overview of study design and discussed the pyramid of knowledge. Ah, uh, yes, the hierarchy of study designs. So what are we talking about today, Kate? Well, today and actually for the next few episodes, we are going to dive deeper into a few of these study designs and work through some real-world examples. Cool. Today we're going to start with case reports. And that's at the bottom of that pyramid. That's right. Remember, case reports are important for recognizing new or rare diseases. They can also help us evaluate the therapeutic effects, adverse events, and cost of interventions. But the key is that they provide evidence for effectiveness in a real-world setting compared to clinical trials, which provide strong evidence for the efficacy of interventions in a controlled setting. So to me, the real-world setting sounds better. Well, they're used and interpreted differently, but really both are necessary. Case reports today make up an increasing percentage of the articles in peer-reviewed medical journals and have provided key milestones in our understanding of things like AIDS, Zika virus infections, and the side effects of thalidomide in the late 1950s. Case reports have a high sensitivity for detecting novelty and are really our cornerstone of medical progress. I'm so glad we're talking about this today. Me too. So to give us an example of a real case report, we're excited to have Dr. Erin McHugh, one of our third-year pediatric residents, here with us to talk about a recent case report she's been working on. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. So for the last few months, we've been hearing about vaping and lung injuries. What do you know about it, and do they know what's causing it? Well, the state of Minnesota, and actually across the country, has seen a dramatic rise in the cases of what we call vaping-associated lung injury in both adolescents and young adults. This is suspected to be related to e-cigarette use and the, all the new vaping devices on the market. Since we started this case report, the CDC has actually doubled their count of the number of incidents and unfortunately the deaths too. We still don't know the whole story though. We don't know what's causing it, but the CDC did publish a recent article about a possible causative agent in vitamin E acetate. But in my opinion, that's only the tip of the iceberg. Wow, this is really scary. So how did the patient in your case report present? Well, our case was a patient admitted to the hospital after three days of chest pain, cough, fever, fatigue, epigastric pain, vomiting, and diarrhea. Similar to many of our patients, they had a history of anxiety but was otherwise a healthy kid. Really the only remarkable thing on the history was that they had just returned from a trip to Southeast Asia. And the fun thing about case reports is that they often describe the physical exam. So how did this patient look? Exactly. I like to think of a case report as the things you tell your colleagues when you're signing out a patient or when you're running through a morning report. So when our patient came in, they had a fever, right upper quadrant pain, epigastric pain, and this frequent cough, but really nothing focal on their lung exam. They just looked like they didn't feel well. And notably, they were maintaining their oxygen saturations when they first arrived. Which really kind of surprised me, given how sick they got. Agreed. So we know evaluation and workup is also a key aspect of a case report. So what did you guys do? You're on top of it, Heidi. Thank you. Case reports go through your thought process and try to outline what tests you did and why you did them. Given our patient's recent international travel history, we couldn't ignore the possibility of infection. So common things being common, we got some basic labs and more specific testing for things like HIV, mycoplasma, chlamydia, Legionella, and a whole respiratory viral pathogen panel. All these were normal with the exception of an elevated white count and elevated inflammatory markers. So it looked like an infection, but really wasn't. Exactly, which is part of what makes these kids difficult to diagnose, especially in the early stages. It looks like an infection. A chest x-ray showed bilateral interstitial consolidations, but wouldn't you know it, it didn't respond to antibiotics. 
and they were sick. Within 12 hours of admission, they were hypoxic and headed to our PICU and respiratory failure. Jeez, that's really fast decompensation. It was. It was fast and scary. It was at that point we found out about the vaping history. Turns out they've been vaping for a year, using nicotine and CBD products through what's called a smoke device, over 10 to 20 times a day. And so, because there's no evidence of infection and they weren't getting better on antibiotics, all signs pointed to a likely inhalational injury secondary to the vaping. I'm going to show how naive I am. What is a smoke device? I was going to ask the same thing, so thanks for asking for me. (laughs) Well, you're in good company because I had to Google it. It is a brand of an e-cigarette or vaping device. They all work by heating and aerosolizing oil that are in the cartridges. And this particular company has the tagline, Innovation Keeps Changing the Vaping Experience. But we'll save those opinions for a different episode. (laughs) Okay. What happened with the patient? Well, we got a chest CT, bronchoscopy, and lung biopsy. The CT showed a pretty extensive patchy ground glass opacities with peripheral sparing, which is consistent with several of the studies that have been published with this vaping injury. There were lots of inflammatory cells on their bronchoalveolar lavage, or BAL, an elevated number of lipin-laden macrophages. The cytology and ultimately the the biopsy together gave us our likely diagnosis. Can you explain the significance of the lipid-laden macrophages? Honestly, we don't know at this point. Hmm. The lipid-laden macrophages have been seen in some, but not all of the cases, and it's really hard to differentiate between exogenous lipids and endogenous lipids. So really, it's the other findings of alveolar damage and this fibroblastic proliferation that we saw on BAL and biopsy that pointed us towards an interstitial pneumonitis secondary to vaping. Wow, this is really scary. No kidding. Yeah, this is something new and we need to learn more about it, especially because people are dying, which is why our case report, and actually we're writing a case series because we've seen so many, can be so valuable. Even if we don't have all the answers, case reports help heighten awareness of something new and upcoming, and it helps doctors broaden their differential and think and ask questions a little bit differently. So this is something completely novel. The best thing I have to compare it to historically is when people used to aspirate mineral oil commonly found in laxatives, lip balm, and nose drops. Oh. Yeah. And we know that that's really bad because, believe it or not, inhaling fat is bad for you and can cause a severe inflammatory response in the lungs. It's often not until treatment failure that inhalational injury is even added to a differential until a thorough history is obtained. So how did your patient turn out? It was a good outcome. They started on high-dose steroids, improved rapidly over the course of a few days, and we're discharged home on a long steroid taper. What a cool case report, Erin. It's important, it's timely, and you're moving medicine forward. Thanks for talking about this. Can you tell us just a few takeaway points from this case? Yeah. First, I think we all need to be on the lookout for this kind of lung injury, specifically in our teenage patients. It underscores the importance of getting a full clinical history, even if that means kicking mom and dad out of the room at 2 a.m. Second, Starting steroids early is important. We know they lead to a dramatic improvement in the course of these patients' illness, and when they don't respond to antibiotics, you got to reevaluate. And last, because case reports are at the bottom of the pyramid, they're an important tool that we can use as physicians to sound the alarm for new patterns that we're seeing. This is such a good case report. It really demonstrates how they're important in describing rare events, like what we're seeing in this vaping-associated lung injury. Thanks so much for coming. I have one final question for you, and it's really important. Shoot. What's your favorite hot dish? Well, I didn't grow up in a family eating hot dish, but for Thanksgiving, my mom makes a really good potatoes au gratin. Yum. Thanks, Erin. So when we're trying to remember what a case report is, we'll think of your vaping patients. We'll see you next time on Minnesota Tot Dish. Please fill out our survey. 